your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Tuesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, June 22nd, 2021. Your boy Q here, as always. Hopefully you enjoyed Monday. Hopefully you had a really good Monday coming off, you know, a holiday weekend, even though it wasn't a long weekend. Still coming off a holiday weekend, sometimes you have a little bit of lull on Monday. So hopefully that was not the case for you and you had a really good Monday. And here we are already in Tuesday. Pretty soon, before you know it, I'll be talking about Friday. So these weeks just fly by. And the more these weeks fly by, the closer and closer we get to training camp, the closer and closer we get to preseason football the closer and closer we get to the regular season games that matter 17 games in 2021 I'm so pumped up so excited think it's going to be a real fun year for Raider Nation I think it's gonna be a real fun year of Raiders football so uh, that's what we do around here each and every day another one another notch off the belt you know just kind of plug away plug away and plug away and that's what we're going to continue to do Uh, got a lot of good feedback off of Monday's show talking about Damon Arnett and how big of an opportunity this year is for him and look I want to make it perfectly clear that I am not writing off Damon Arnett at all. I think that he has an opportunity to be a real deal player, like a big time player. He just has to go out there and get it done. You know what they say about potential. Potential is just that until you actually tap into it and get it done on the field. I think he has the opportunity to be what some folks have called a dog. He's got that mentality. He's just got to tap into it and make it happen on the field. And that's what the Raiders are going to expect from him in training camp. So a lot of good feedback based off the Damon Arnett conversation. And uh, I'll get to some of that coming up in today's show in segment number three. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. The number 707-654-4693. Coming up in segment number two, going to talk about three of the most impactful Raiders offensively. I'm going to do this in two days. Uh, on, on today's show, it's going to be the three most impactful Raiders offensively. And then on Wednesday's show, I'm going to do the three most impactful Raiders defensively. I just think it's a fun little conversation to have, and uh, everyone doesn't have to agree with me. This is just going to be my opinion. But I think it'll be a good conversation piece, something that you could chime in about and say, well, you know what, Q, I agree with one and two, but I don't agree with three, and this is why. I think that's a fun, healthy conversation that we're going to do. So we'll do that the next couple days. Here in segment number one, I'll give you the news and the notes of the day as I always do and you know it's that part of the offseason where there's not a whole lot but on Monday the Raiders made a little bit of noise so let's go ahead and jump right into it. The Raiders announced on Monday that the signing of second round pick Trayvon Merrick was done. He is under contract now he is good to go and look this is the thing the contracts are really a lot easier than it used to be to make sure everyone got under contract. And I know that the Raiders haven't gotten everybody under contract, and some teams have already got all their draft picks ready to go uh, for training camp. But the thing about it is there's nothing to worry about. I've had a few people tweet at me and say, wait, how come this guy's not signed? How come this guy's not signed? Don't worry, Raider Nation. It is not a big deal anymore. Now that they have the the little levels to the game and they just go ahead and basically slot you in where you're going to get signed, it is really a lot easier than it used to be back in the day. So, uh, again, I've been kind of telling everyone that as long as these guys are signed by training camp, that's the only thing that matters. But the Raiders put out an email on a Monday saying that the Raiders have signed second round pick Trayvon Merrick. Uh, he was an athletic and rangy safety, six foot two, 202 pounds, selected with the 43rd overall pick by the Raiders in the 2021 NFL Draft. He played three seasons at TCU, appeared in 34 games, 24 starts over his career. He had 125 tackles, seven interceptions, 28 passes defense, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. And as a junior in 2020, he was the Paycom Jim Thorpe Award 
recipient as the nation's top defensive back, and he was named to seven All-American teams, including getting the second team honors by the Associated Press. He was also named a semifinalist for the Chuck Benderick Award and was tabbed first team All-Big 12. So there's kind of the resume of one Trayvon Merrick. He is now under contract with the Raiders. So if you're trying to keep tabs, first round pick, Alex Leatherwood, done deal. Second round pick, Trayvon Merrick, done deal. Fourth round pick, Tyree Gillespie, done deal. Fifth round pick, Nate Hobbs, yep, done deal. And seventh round pick, Jimmy Morrissey, all done deal. So the only ones that the Raiders still need to get under contract, which I do believe will happen quick, fast, and in a hurry, are their third round picks. Malcolm Kuntz out of Buffalo, and then Devon Diablo out of uh, Virginia Tech. Those are the two guys that remain unsigned, both third round picks. And so I'm sure that's going to happen sooner rather than later. Now, I will say, side note, Devon Diablo is a guy that I'm paying attention to because I do feel like there's something going on with him. And that's based off what John Gruden said about him in about four seconds last week when he said, we're hoping to get him in by training camp. And it was really, really short. It just kind of seemed like there may be a little bit of something, something going on. But again, I don't want to start no mess. There won't be no mess, but just definitely paying attention at that. Then the news that came out on Monday was way bigger than just the signing of Trayvon Merrick. And that was the fact that Carl Nassib, defensive lineman Carl Nassib, came out and said he was gay. You know, and and look, it's so funny because he even said in the Instagram post, and I don't have Instagram, so I actually saw it on Twitter. So when I read it on Adam Schefter's Twitter, it actually kind of looked like to me that he got hacked and someone had, had just tweeted that out, like someone got a hold of his Twitter account and put that out there. But it was an Instagram video. And so eventually it got retweeted into my timeline. So actually here is Carl Nassib making the announcement himself. What's up people, I'm Carl Nassib. I'm at my house here in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Just wanna take a quick moment to say that I'm gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but I finally feel comfortable enough to get it off my chest. Um, I really have the best life. I got the best family, friends, and job a guy could ask for. Um, I'm a pretty private person, so I hope you guys know that I'm really not doing this for attention. Um, I just think that representation and visibility are so important. Um, I actually hope that like one day videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. Um, but until then, you know, I'm going to do my best and do my part to cultivate a culture that's accepting, that's compassionate. And I'm going to start by donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project. They're an incredible organization. They're the number one suicide prevention service for LGBTQ youth in America. And they're truly doing incredible things. And I'm very excited to be a part of it, to help in any way that I can. And I'm really pumped to see what the future holds. Uh, that's all I have for you guys. I hope you have a great day. Work hard. Salute to Carl Nassib, really. And he is a dude that's a, you never hear about him. He's a very quiet dude. But just to be able to have the stones to come out and say that, that can't be easy when you're the, you know, you're the big bad football player. Nothing hurts you or nothing. You know, you got that stigma. And I know it's 2021. And you shouldn't have to have that. And like he said, you shouldn't have to have videos like that. You shouldn't even have to come out. But if later on, you know, it was known that he was gay, then it's going to be like, oh, he was hiding it from his teammates. He was hiding it from his coaches. So I'm glad that he did it. I'm definitely not judging him for it. Like I said, I'm saluting him for it. I'm so, so happy for for him, man. I just think that that's probably just such a relief and such a, you know, kind of big, huge weight off your chest. And again, these videos should not be necessary, but you know, they are right now. And I think that he's putting his money where his mouth is as well, you know, trying to help out with the suicide prevention of teens. I mean, that's, that's huge. The LGBTQ community has really been hit hard over the past few years. Uh, you know, there's all kind of discrimination going on. And so to know that Carl Nassib is doing some, some good uh, at the same time of coming out and saying, Hey, yeah, I am gay, but also doing some good at the same time. I think that that is great. So salute to Carl Nassib. Uh, I know it wasn't easy, but to come out on Monday and say that he is an active NFL player. And I know Michael Sam was there, but uh, he was only in the league for a quick, hot second. So for Carl Nassau to be going into his sixth year in the league, coming out and saying that, that took a lot of, uh, like I said, big-time stones. So shout-out to Carl Nassib for coming out Monday and saying he is gay.
And I don't want to try to blow this story up any more than it already is, you know, because, again, it shouldn't be necessary that he even has to do it. But I did think it was pretty cool that uh, the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, came out and made a statement as well. said the NFL family is proud of Carl for courageously sharing his truth today. Representation matters. We share this hope that someday statements like this will no longer be newsworthy as we march to full equality for the LGBTQ plus community. We wish Carl the best luck this upcoming season. Again, just a. Very generic type statement, but just the kind of statement that you would expect. And so uh, salute to Roger Goodell as well. And my final little nugget I got for segment number one isn't really Raiders related, except for it is. A lot of folks thought it was Raiders related. And this is Tom Brady. Obviously, he plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just won the Super Bowl with them. Uh, he fired a shot at a team that didn't want him at the end of free agency when he was leaving the Patriots and ultimately ended up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I don't even necessarily know that he fired a shot. It was on a it was on like a um, a, a trailer for the barbershop, the little get-together. It was him, Draymond Green, a bunch of different athletes and, and folks getting together. And uh, basically, he just said that there was a team out there that wasn't interested in him at the end, and he kind of said, oh, you're going to stick with the dude you have? And he didn't say it in that word. Matter of fact, I'll let you hear uh, the whole trailer. Here it is. And you'll hear Tom Brady start things off talking about that team. But he doesn't name that team, so just keep that in mind. Here it is. Check it out. One of the teams, and they weren't interested at the very end. I was thinking, you're sticking with that mother... <laughs> Anything you've ever heard me say, I didn't mistakenly say it. When I'm on stage, something inside of me wakes up. But when I'm off stage, I'm Scott. You know I'm a completely different person than you see on the floor. I'm not here to answer serious questions. I know a lot of men watch this show, and I'm looking for some post-COVID action. <laughs> so there's a little trailer right there for The Barbershop. That's that show that's on HBO where a bunch of athletes and celebrities get together and they, they tell the truths. And so there was Tom Brady talking about that. So, of course, that led to a lot of speculation. He was talking about the Raiders and then Derek Carr. And then there was also speculation that he could have been talking about the Chicago Bears and Mitchell Trubisky. Or he could have been talking about, you know what I mean, just like fill in whatever uh, whatever team you think that uh, – that he could be talking about whatever team might not have had that great of a quarterback or a quarterback that they felt could be upgraded. And so that's how they that's how they rolled with it. But there was a lot of Raider Nation that was upset. But it's like, oh, my God, he wanted to go play for the Raiders. Why didn't he do it? Oh, 49ers, Jimmy G, that was another team that folks were saying that uh, he was talking about. But here's Ian Rappaport from earlier this year. He was on the podcast, uh, the Complex Sports Podcast, talking about Tom Brady and his desire to play with the Raiders or San Francisco. So here's Ian Rappaport. And again, this is not Tom Brady saying it. It's all from Rap Sheet. Check it out. Are you ultimately surprised that Brady went to Tampa Bay now that you have, you know, the long view to look back and kind of analyze everything? Um, I'm not surprised that he left. Around the time of the Super Bowl, Brady wants the Raiders, but like, they're probably not going to make a big run at him. And then everybody was reporting Raiders, and I'm like, maybe I'm crazy. He wanted the Raiders, you think? Yes. Oh, yeah. Why no, I'm you... not saying more than the Bucks, but I'm just For saying, sure. like, yeah. that was a team that he definitely identified was like, okay, like, I like this. I could win here. And the 49ers, too. I mean, yeah. he would have loved it, but they get Jimmy Garoppolo, and, yeah. and it's just, you know, you want to completely start over for a year or two with Tom Brady, they decided ultimately no. So there's Rap Sheet saying, hey, he wanted the Raiders, he wanted the 49ers, he got neither. He ended up in Tampa Bay, and he wasn't sure how much more he wanted those two teams 
over Tampa Bay if he wanted them more over Tampa Bay. And I know, like I said, it led to a lot of speculation that, oh, the Raiders are so dumb they could have had Tom Brady. Until I actually hear it out of Tom Brady's mouth, I know there's people that were close to him that said he wanted the Raiders, but until he actually comes out and says, yes, the team I was talking about right there was the Raiders. I couldn't believe that they weren't in on me. It doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't really matter. But again, it's one of those things that Twitter, and I know it's the offseason, and it's almost July. It's almost time for training camp. So it's got to be something that's going to catch fire. There were certain, certain folks out there that were real like hey this is a hot take central me not so much I just kind of took it with a grain of salt did he want the the Raiders sure maybe but at the same time kind of like Rapshi said at the end do you take Tom Brady for two years and then go back and find someone else or do you ride out what you have for now instead I mean again and I don't know what John Gruden was thinking I don't know what Mike Mayock was thinking and I don't know if there was ever even a conversation about Tom Brady and the Raiders I have no idea I know it was a conversation that we had very briefly here on the show because I don't like to just talk about a ton of speculation you know and that's kind of what it really was and it really got stirred up when you saw Tom Brady in uh, in Vegas at the UFC fight which anybody could be at a UFC fight and he was obviously talking to Mark Davis but it is what it is so anyway I just thought I'd put that out there because it was something that was talked about quite a bit on Monday so that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day coming up in segment number two going to talk about the three most impactful Raiders that I think are on the team offensively all that's coming up after I tell you about betonline.ag they're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sporting action Baseball, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, the NBA action, man, is really, it is on fire. They are playing some really, really good ball. It's not the usual suspect, so it's really uh, fun and kind of, it's one of those things where you just don't know how it's going to shake out. But either way you go, man, uh, just check out betonline.ag. They'll give you all the great sporting news, all the sign-up bonuses, any contest information that you may need. Just got to go over to betonline.ag on your laptop or your mobile device. You get off the sidelines and actually get into the game. If your team is on a playoff run, you could be on a playoff run right along with them. Again, head over to the website using your mobile device. Sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag. You got to use the promo code Locked On. When you use the promo code Locked On, that's how you get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag is your online sportsbook experts. Segment number two, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to talk about the three most impactful Raiders offensively. And this is a tough tough conversation to have because I can look at the Raiders offense and I can see a lot of folks that are big time players, the big time impact players. I mean, you can look at Darren Waller. You can say Henry Ruggs is a guy that could be a big time impact. You can say Josh Jacobs. You can say Kenyon Drake. I mean, there's so many different folks that you can lump into this conversation. But if you're only picking three, then, man, it is really, really tough to narrow it down. Obviously, your first thought is, okay, Derek Carr is going to be the most impactful player, but I'm going to take it a step further. And I think that this is going to be the conversation of really uh, training camp and kind of see how everything develops leading up to the regular season. You'll see a lot in preseason and really be able to see what's going on or at least try to get an idea of what's going on in the preseason. Now, of course, Derek Carr is a big-time impact. Your quarterback is always going to be a big-time impact. And you go as he goes. You, you know that. We all know that. I think that's a clear cutthroat conversation. We don't even have to really break that down, right? But I kind of feel like I know who Derek Carr is. I think him going into year eight and also year four with John Gruden, I think we all know who he is. Can he improve? Absolutely. But for the most part, you know the nuts and bolts of Derek Carr. You know exactly what you're going to get. It's almost like kind of comparing him to, like, let's say, a car. 
you know that if you get a Honda, you're getting a very reliable vehicle. And I'm not trying to call them a Honda. I'm just saying I'm making this in the layman's terms so we all understand it. If you're getting a Honda, you know that you're getting a very reliable vehicle. You know that nine times out of ten, you're going to go out and, and get inside and that thing's going to start right up and it's going to go right off. And you're going to know exactly what you get. You go get that Honda Accord, hey, I feel very comfortable that this is going to be my vehicle for the next four or five years. It's going to be all good. I kind of feel like Derek Carr is that guy you know exactly who he is. You know, and now could you go get you a Cadillac and upgrade? Sure. But uh, again, I just, I think that Derek Carr is who Derek Carr is and we're going to feel comfortable with that. And I feel comfortable with that with him moving forward again in year four with head coach John Gruden. So I'm going to really make it simple, man. I'm not going to really even put too much stock into the rest of the lineup because I think Derek Carr is going to be a guy, but Derek Carr can only be the guy if the dudes in front of him are getting it done. So my three guys that I'm going to talk about, the most impactful Raiders offensively, and we'll do defense tomorrow, I think it's around the new guys. I think it's around center Andre James. He's coming in for Rodney Hudson. Rodney Hudson's been the anchor of that offensive line for very long. Uh, so he's a center. Then you're going to look at the right guard position, and I'll, I'll put a slash in this because I don't know who's the starting right guard going to be. It's either going to be Denzel Good or John Simpson. John Simpson was the guy that they drafted just a year ago, fourth round out of Clemson. And then Denzel Good was the guy who was, you know, Johnny on the spot. He was the Swiss Army knife of the offensive line in 2020 where he was able to play any position that he was asked to play, including right tackle. So I'm just going to say a slash. Whoever plays that right guard, it's going to be very, very important and impactful. And then the rookie, Alex Leatherwood, starting right tackle day one, according to Mike Mayock. He's going to be very impactful. And I really do think it boils down to just those three guys. I think we already know who Colton Miller is. I know we already know who Colton Miller is. And Richie Incognito, if healthy, we all know who he is as well. You kind of feel good that that left side of the offensive line is going to be held down. But it's the center to the right that you're going to have the questions. Because, again, this is coming in for some guys that were potential Pro Bowl dudes. You know, Rodney Hudson should have got a lot more credit than he ever got. And I know he might have regressed a little bit in 2020. That's the reason for the dismantling of the offensive line. Uh, the, the right guard position, Gabe Jackson, was always the dude that held it down for the longest. He's now in Seattle. Rodney Hudson's in Arizona. And then Trent Brown, even though he wasn't available all the time, when the Raiders got him in free agency from New England, it was like, man, that's a big-time pickup. And a lot of people question the Raiders because they put him at the right tackle position instead of the left. But either way, well, I think we all, I know I did, felt very comfortable that, man, that side of the, the offensive line is going to be held down for years to come now. That is going to be the guy that's going to fix the turnstile that has been the right tackle position. There's been many, many guys that have tried to fill that void that couldn't fill that void. And then all of a sudden, Trent Brown was, was expected to do that. And, and he would have done that, but he just couldn't because he couldn't stay healthy for one reason or the other. He just couldn't stay out there on the on the field so obviously you can't get anywhere so as far as impact goes man I mean the, the passing game DC throwing the ball we talk about him checking it down the, the field and and going for the big time plays he doesn't do that if he doesn't get line uh, get time so that offensive line has to allow him to have time to throw the ball we talk about Josh Jacobs how many yards can he get how many yards can Kenyon Drake how are they going to use both of those guys that two-headed monster that two-headed monster doesn't work if those guys up front don't get it done again going back to part of the reason why the offensive line was dismantled and and brought in some younger guys brought in some more athletic dudes and and you know see if Tom Cable can work his magic and the thing about it is I remember talking to the host of the Seattle Seahawks show, the Locked On Seahawks show, and he said, man, I think what the Raiders are doing in, in Vegas is the same thing that 
the offensive line in the in the Seattle Seahawks did a few years ago is try to get younger and try to get more athletic because that's what Cable wanted and it just didn't work out. So he, he kind of is looking at it from a from afar saying, I don't know if that's going to work. But based off what I saw from Tom Cable in 2020, being able to make these guys fit into wherever he really needed them to fit in, I have a lot of confidence that he's going to get it done. Uh, Andre James, I mean, that's that's got to be the dude. He's going to have growing pains. He's a young guy. He's an undrafted uh, free agent out of UCLA. But the Raiders, and I have not been that guy, but the Raiders have seen him in practice. So they know what he brings to the table. They know if he's going to be able to hold it down and be the guy to fill in for Rodney Hudson. And like Derek Carr said, I think last week in the media session, he said, hey, he's not going to be Rodney, but all he has to do is be Andre James. He doesn't have to be Rodney Hudson. He just has to be Andre James. So he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders. He's got to be able to hold down that spot because he is the anchor. Then whoever's going to get that spot, if it's Denzel Good or John Simpson, my gut feeling tells me it's going to be Denzel Good and John Simpson will be some depth. And that's okay. That's fine. He's only going into his second year in the league. And if that's what they decide that they want him to be, that is great. I think Denzel Good has earned the starting job, but I think it's also something that will be battled out in training camp. So that's why I still have that slash there. And then Alex Leatherwood, you know, the, the, hey, the guy took a lot of criticism. The guy took a lot of criticism from me, took a lot of criticism from a lot of, of Raider Nation and a lot of analysts across the league. Hey, that guy was drafted way too high I know he's going in there with a chip on his shoulder uh you know Josh Jacobs was talking about uh he's got to try to live up to the to his billing to his expectations so Alex Leatherwood obviously believes that he can go in there and be a big time playmaker and and help out that offensive line and help Josh Jacobs and help Kenyon Drake be those playmakers that you're expecting them to be but that offensive line is where it's at you know I mean if they're not up to speed and if they're not all on the same page and they're not acting like one cohesive unit that whole offense is going to crumble that offense was a top 10 offense in 2020 now it wasn't top 10 when it came to scoring in the red zone which is going to need to be improved and again why that right side of that offensive line is going to be so critical because guys like Drake guys like Jacobs are going to have to get in behind them and be able to get into the end zone and yeah I mean you obviously use the whole uh, offensive line you go to the left as well but if it's not so predictable if you can hey hit it up the gut or hit it to the right or hit it to the left then that just just gives you that much bigger of an opportunity and that was part of the breakdown for the Raiders in the red zone in 2020 that they weren't able to pick up that little third and one that fourth and one you know that even that fullback dive with Alec Ingold wasn't working as well as it normally works just because that offensive line was starting to regress a little bit and there's actually stats out there that shows how much it was uh, it was regressing and I do think it was still solid but it, it could be improved. And so the Raiders went out to try to improve it. So for me, offensively, you can have all the skill players. You can have all the speed. You can have all the hands. You can have a lot of different guys. But if that offensive line's not clicking, then your offense ain't going to click. And so championships are won, in my opinion, uh, up front, both offensively and defensively. Now, I'll tell you, as a little sneak peek, I have three guys on the defensive side of the ball that are not just defensive linemen. You know, I, I got I got three guys that I'm really going to key in on as being big, impactful players for the Raiders' defense. But as far as the offense go, I think that it all starts up front. I, I really do. And if James, Good, Simpson, or Leatherwood, if they can all be on the same page, then then that Raiders offense is going to hum. I think that they've improved. I think their guys like Henry Ruggs are ready to really break out and, and show what they can do. I think Brian Edwards, if healthy, can go out there and show what he can do. Uh, I know who Darren Waller is, so I know Darren Waller is going to make plays. And I do think the addition of Kenyon Drake is going to be big for the Raiders. But if they don't get no push, and if Derek Carr don't get no protection, none of it's going to matter. So I very well could have said Derek Carr is one of the guys. But again, like I started this whole segment off, we know who he is, we know what he can do, and we know what he needs. And what he needs is protection from that offensive line. So my three most impactful players for the Raiders offense, Andre James, the center, 
uh, either right guard, whoever the right guard is going to be, Denzel Good, John Simpson, maybe even other, and then Alex Leatherwood. So I know that that's actually more than three guys, but it's three positions. <laughs> it's three positions, so let's go ahead and stick with that. So that's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about Built Bar and the nine delicious flavors that they have right now. Occasionally, they have that limited time flavor, but right now, they're focused in on salted caramel, coconut, double chocolate, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, cherry, mint brownie, raspberry. Those are the nine flavors. There's something for everyone. I'm a big coconut almond person. If you you like the one I like, boom, get that coconut almond, put it in the fridge, let it chill, and then boom, you're good to go. Some people like all those flavors, and you want to get a mixed box. That's going to give you 18 total bars, two of each. Again, they're 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew, and they're great for you. I mean, the protein is just a, a really good protein bar, and the thing about it is when you eat it, you don't feel bad you know that yeah I just had a snack but I had a healthy snack and it tasted good which none of that ever goes together in the same sentence so uh, that's the something to be a proud of right there is that it's a healthy snack that tastes good all at the same time so builtbar.com use the promo code lock 15 when you check out that's going to save you 15% off your order and of course also check out the website just time to time builtbar.com to see which ones they do have as limited time flavors because they do have that on occasion from time to time so builtbar.com promo code lock 15 will save you 15% off your order segment number three it's on the way. You're Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Definitely want to hear from you about what I was talking about in segment number two, most impactful Raiders offensively. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are. Let me know who you think. Maybe you agree with me 100%. Maybe you don't. Maybe one out of three. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Whatever your thoughts, you know they're always good and welcome. 707-654-4693. Now let's get into some calls and texts. Let's start things off with my guy, Mike the Valley Joe, Vallejo, California, calling in to talk about Carl Nassib and his announcement of him being gay. Here he is, Mike in the Valley Joe. What up, Q? Spice from Well, I got a lot to say today. I just think it's perfectly fitting that the first openly gay active player is just another long line of first for the Raiders of an organization. Congratulations to that dude. Hopefully it all works out for him. Y'all have a great day. There he goes, my guy Mike in the Valley Joe, short and sweet, right to the point. And yeah, Carl Nassau came out. That was a big deal. You know, he came out and said what he had to say. At some point in time, it won't be a big deal that a guy is openly gay in the NFL. But right now, it is. So he comes out and says what he says. And you're right. You know, it is fitting that that the first openly gay player is on the Raiders because they have been the ba- the ones that have broken down many barriers, you know. And, and sometimes intentionally, sometimes they don't know in, uh, about it. Just like they didn't know about this situation with Carl until, you know, he came came out and said so and and of course all the Raiders really came to salute him John Gruden put out a statement Mark Davis made a statement the Roger Goodell the commissioner made a statement I mean there's a lot of people the governor of Nevada made a statement I I think that's just really cool that everyone really got behind him so yeah Mike you you bring up a good point thank you so much for that uh that call next up let's go ahead and get into a text from a Raider Black he said what's up Q in regards to segment two about Damon Arnett I'm not even going to be upset if he doesn't work out. If he is a man corner, why was he drafted in PG's defense? Why should we expect him to be elite in Gus Bradley's defense? He's a man corner, not a zone corner. Hell, Mullen ain't that good on zone himself. I just find it odd that something as basic as scouting players to fit your system is something the Raiders have not done. It's like I've said before about Gruden. He always outthinks himself and picking players to groom into positions they're not used to. It's what held this team back since his return. That's from Raider Black. And I'll be upset if Arnett doesn't work out because I think he has the skills and the ability to 
work out. I really do. I like what he brings to the table. I like his tenacity, his you know his hunger. You can see him. Uh, the want to is there. He's just got to figure it out. And yeah, it, it is kind of upsetting when you you realize that he is a press corner where you're playing in zone defense. So it's definitely a totally different ball game. But I do believe he can be very very successful. And I do think Gus Bradley has a little bit of both into the scheme. You know, something that he mentioned, like, hey, we're not just going to be a zone team. We're going to do uh, multiple things. That that's that's a good thing. You know, to be able to do multiples. And so I think he has the opportunity. And if he doesn't work out, then it's a wasted first round pick, number 19 overall. So I'd be upset for that reason. Not, you know, I'm not going to take it personal that it's Damon Arnett. It'll just be another wasted first round pick. And the Raiders really can't afford that. Now, we'll see what happens. Uh, he has a really good coaching staff with him now. So hopefully he's able to get coached up in year two. And I think there's going to be a heck of a competition during training camp. Thank you so much for that text. Next up is a call from Professor Raider in Ann Arbor calling to talk about the tickets he got to a certain game that he's very, very excited and pumped up for. Then has a question about the linebacking core for the Raiders. Here he is, Professor Raider in Ann Arbor. Hey, what's up? This is Professor Raider in Ann Arbor. It's been a minute, but just wanted to give you a shout-out. Happy Father's Day, and happy Father's Day to everyone else. I'm busy with my two kids, so that's what's been keeping me busy. But I just want to say I got my tickets for the Browns game. Um, pumped. Hopefully it's going to be a AFC showdown, and it'll be prime time. I'm hoping the Raiders are humming at that point. We will see. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, what you're hearing about the linebacker core, especially Littleton. Is he picking up on the new defensive scheme? I know that was a big reason uh, he wasn't playing well under under uh, Gunther, kind of thinking too much. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on him and even like Kenner Muse. What's up with him? Is he is he actually getting some, some play? Um, and then, lastly, I want to know what you think about Div- Divine Diablo. What's up with him? How come he hasn't signed yet? Uh, appreciate your show. Appreciate you, Raider Nation. Go Raiders. Just one, baby. There he goes. That's Professor Raider in Ann Arbor. Thank you for the call. And, man, that game against the Browns should be a lot of fun. That's a team that's got high expectations this year based off what they did last year. And at that point of the season, man, that game could have big-time playoff implications for both teams. Also, side note, it's going to be a very cold game. <laughs> the weather could actually be a lot worse than it was just a year ago. So, uh, yeah, just just know that. But I'm sure you're prepared for that already. But, yeah, that, that game probably will be very, very exciting. As far as the linebackers go, it's really hard to say how they're going to be this year. Um, of course, they, they've got the guys. We believe the guys are there. Corey Littleton, Nick Wachowski. You know, you got Nicholas Morrow. I mean, there's there's guys that are there. Uh, Tanner Muse, you mentioned him. I heard from Vinny B. He's a lot stronger. He's hungry. He's ready to roll. But, you know, he's basically a rookie going into his second year. Uh, Javen White, the undrafted free agent out of uh, UNLV, he's going to want to make some noise. There's the guys in that room that are going to want to make some noise. But for me... Corey Littleton is the main guy that I'm focusing in on. He was the guy that the Raiders brought in as a free agent, and the expectations were sky high for him. And there's a lot of people in Raider Nation that question if he's ever going to be good. I've had people call in and say he stinks. He's not going to be good at all. But this is what defensive coordinator Gus Bradley had to say about him just a week ago or so uh, when asked from the media. Well, I think Corey, you know, it's, uh, I've been impressed with him, his speed. He's a, uh, a very skilled linebacker. Uh, you know, one of the things he's, you know, his physical nature, that's the 
things we're looking at right now and challenging him on, but uh, he has it in him. Uh, but matchups, I think what's great about Corey is the matchups he allows us to have. He's really a skilled cover guy. Uh, what I've seen so far, now this has been a lot of walkthrough. When the bullets fly and we go full speed, I think we'll have a better sense of where everybody's at. But thus far, and, and I think Vic, the other thing that we've seen on him is he's really a good edge setter. You know, so, you know, I think he has that ability maybe in base to be more of an outside linebacker for us too. So uh, until we get the pads on and see what he can do, we're trying to still you know, learn some of these guys and, and their skill set. But uh, I'll be able to tell you more once we get in the training camp. So there's defensive coordinator Gus Bradley talking about Corey Littleton. A couple things stood out to me when he was talking about him then. One, he said he's fast, and I think we all knew that, and we all expected when he signed with the Raiders for him to be a factor in the passing game, uh, being able to make some plays, being able to cover running backs out of the backfield, even cover down to the tight ends, and he really wasn't able to do that in year one under Paul Gunther. So, one, I want to see that speed shown in a major way, and you won't be able to see that till training camp and preseason, and more importantly, the regular season. But the speed is one thing, but also sounded like he might kick him out to outside linebacker and have him set the edge, something that the Raiders really struggle with doing outside of Cleve Furl. And so maybe that allows guys like Max Crosby and Unique Ngakwe to be on the field at the same time if, if they have a guy like like uh, uh, Corey Littleton that could set the edge as well. Uh, it's, it's just all about scheme and fit and, and how you go about these things. But it sounds like from what he's been able to see in a very small capacity that Corey Littleton is kind of living up to the billing. But again, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see once the pads get on, once training camp happens, once they get into preseason action, and once they get into the Raiders' regular season that first week against the Baltimore Ravens. So thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. Next up, got a text from my guy Rolando Robles. He says, hey, Uncle Q. Rolando Robles back again from the 209. Just wanted to talk about a few things. One, it really gets annoying with some of these fans. They want to talk down on Carr's name during the season. But when he puts out that he wants to be a Raider for life, he's their guy. Like he's never complained, never being moaned about having guys to throw to or anything of that nature. So stop hating and accept the fact he's the guy for the team. Two, we don't need big name guys. The team as a whole can gel together to play together to be a monster in itself. Thanks for the time, Uncle Q. That's from Rolando Robles. And thank you, my man, for the text. I definitely appreciate it. And, I mean, yeah, Carr came out and said that, you know, he wanted to be a Raider for life. He did that, you know, last week. And that's great. You know, that is great. That's a great attitude to have. Uh, the NFL is a business, you know, and sometimes that the business doesn't go the way you want it to. It's very rare that players actually end up retiring with the team that they, they want to or in their career, let's put it like that, in their career with the team that they want to. A lot of times they end up going and playing a couple years somewhere else and then maybe come back and retire as that team. But, I mean, it is what it is. I respect him for that. Uh, all he's done is improve each and every year so you can't really get too upset and if the Raiders wanted to move on from him I've said it multiple times they've had opportunities to move on from him they haven't so obviously they like him and they, they want him to continue to grow uh, in this John Gruden system so that's one two about the big name guys I mean you don't need big name guys it's just nice to have a couple alpha dogs <laughs> you know so that's why when the Julio Jones conversation was going on it was something that was intriguing because he is an alpha dog and he would open things up in my opinion I was late to the party I think they would have just opened things up for everybody especially Henry Ruggs and I think that could have kind of helped unleash him but the Raiders chose not to go in that direction and like you 
say, just the guys that they have, they're going to gel with. And Brian Edwards, maybe he can end up being that guy. Henry Ruggs, they got a plan for him. You know, Gruden came out last week and said that he wants to get him more involved in the passing game, not just a decoy out there. Darren Waller, he's old reliable. You know exactly who he's going to be. And now you got a couple of dogs in the backfield and Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. So, yeah, there's a lot of good things to like. But like I said in segment number two, I think that the whole offense is going to revolve around those three dudes on the offensive line, the center, the right guard, and the right tackle. So thank you so much for that text, my man. Appreciate you. Uh, got time for one more call. We'll take it from Craig in Montana. He's calling to talk about what he really needs to see from Derek Carr in 2021 and also what he thinks about a car contract extension. Then he talks a little Unique Ngakwe and Max Crosby as well. Here he is, Craig in Montana. What's up, Q? This is Craig from Montana. I want to say happy Father's Day and give you a thank you for putting in those five days a week. I couldn't believe when you said that other people are doing three, but I'm working 10-hour days. I need that 45 minutes a day to start my day off. So thank you. I appreciate it. Um, got a lot of thoughts to try to get through here quick. Uh, as far as Derek Carr goes, what I need to see, he's got to check that ball. I'm tired of seeing fumbles. I understand he doesn't throw interceptions, but he's got to protect the ball, especially on the negative side of the field. I hate seeing turnovers, but turnovers with a short field, that's the worst. Can't, defense can't get better when they only got 30 yards until the TV. Um, a lot of people aren't talking about his ball placement. When Mariota came in, he was putting that ball on the money, which was odd to see because he didn't get run with them. He wasn't even practicing until, I believe, week eight. So the fact that he was able to hit Waller, like in the bread basket, just dropping balls in, hitting Waller across the middle. I know he had that bad one to Zay Jones, but I feel like Zay should have kept on going. He sat down in the zone, and I get it. You're going to blame Mariota for that. But he also made the tackle. I don't think Derek Carr could have done that. More deep shots. More deep shots. I'm tired of seeing stack box and running up the middle with Jacobs. And I know everybody talks about running up the middle, but that should work if there wasn't eight, nine men in the box. Like, get the safety out. I want double, I want, I want safety back all day. Like the Jason Campbell days when they lining corners at 12 yards deep and still had their safety 30 yards deep. Uh, and then when it comes to the contract, I think 30 million a year, six years, 180 million with escalated for playoff wins. Super Bowl appearances. I don't really give a shit about the stats. Like, I would have, I like your idea of over 30 touchdowns, but when you're trying to run the ball, it's like all that, all that goes out the window. And then when it comes to the duel of Max and Yannick, uh, I believe it can work. I'm, but I'm wanting to see Farrell step up. I think Farrell needs to be that 8 to 10 sack guy. If we have three 8 to 10 sack guys coming at you, and I'm looking at Abram too. I mean, Farrell and Abel need to, they need to take a big step, and I want them to be the leaders also. Like, I think there should be four mouths on that defense, and that's before Kukowski and Littleton even speak. But one quick thing I wanted to get your attention on was uh, Damon Arnett. I think every team needs a man-to-man corner. He's a man-to-man corner on this team. He's not getting no play. Everybody's not talking about him. But what are your thoughts? Everybody's saying he's getting forgotten about. Anyways. I'm out. Thank you, Q. Great nation. So there he goes right there, Craig in Montana. And really good call, my man. And, and yeah, I mean, Carr protecting the ball, that's been a, a pet peeve of mine. Of course, really my big thing with him was, was running the ball and being more active, you know, kind of keeping plays alive. He did that in 2020. I expect him to continue to do that in 2021. But, yeah, he does have to hold on to the ball in the pocket when people start swiping at it. He can't be fumbling like that. That's just – that's all bad. That's no bueno, as they would say, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, as far as the contract goes, $32 to $36 million. I think that's probably the wheelhouse.
house or that's the sweet spot of where a contract extension should be, maybe three to five years, depending on how they, they uh, word it and they, they, you know, they make it work. Um, you mentioned Klee, and it would be nice to see him step up his game and, and take a next step as a pass rusher, and you're right. He's great against the run right now, but he does need to take that next step. Damon Arnett talked about him uh, in, a, in very big length on Monday, and I do think that he has an opportunity to step up and be a really good player, uh, but he's got to go ahead and take it. He's got the tools. He's just got to go ahead and take advantage and, and show what he can do. Right now, it looks like he could be maybe a guy on the outside looking in that's going to have to earn his playing time instead of just get, be given that, that, uh, that starting job, which is great. You want those guys to have to earn it, but uh, he's really looks like he's going to have an uphill battle on training camp, and that's okay because if you're a dog and you're hungry and you want to get out there, you'll get out there. As long as you have an opportunity, that's all you need is just an opportunity. So thank you so much for that call, my man. And uh, that's going to do it for today's show. That's all I got time for. Uh, still got a couple texts and a couple calls that I want to get to. Of course, we'll definitely have some more uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, more calls and texts throughout that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line. We'll have more news and notes of the day, and we'll talk about the top three most influential people or the most important folks on the Raiders defensive side. We talked offense today. We'll talk defense on tomorrow's show. So until then, Raider Nation, we'd love to get your feedback. Again, you can always hit me up at 707-654-4693. You can always tweet at me at your boy Q254. Uh, if not, we'll be back tomorrow talking all things Raiders. That's how we get down. Have a great day. Stay safe. Take care of your family. And most importantly, as always, just win, baby.